Hello, and thank you for joining us here at the global headquarters of the world's best capitalized bank in the world's best capitalized country. And we're talking about markets and investing. It's been a heck of a year, and we are going to talk to a cavalcade of UBS stars about that. Let's start with Kieran. Kieran, what should investors be taking away from this year so they can learn about next year? Yeah, well, it's certainly been a really challenging year for investors, not just because of the decline we've had in equity markets. We're down about 20% year to date. That's large, but not massive when we look back to history. If we think about the dot-com crash or the crash after the global financial crisis, what has been historically challenging this year is the fact that both equities and bonds have experienced double-digit returns. And as well, the fact that we've had inflation often in double digits as well. So the real purchasing power of diversified investors has fallen you know, by quite a historic degree so far this year. In terms of the takeaways for 2023, I think the first is to acknowledge how much of an impact that geopolitics can have on markets. We, of course, already had an inflation problem as we entered 2022, but Russia's invasion of Ukraine added to that and really added to that inflationary pressure. And the second is that investors need to go the next level in terms of diversification. As I said, simple equity bond diversification simply hasn't worked this year. But investors who've looked into alternative asset classes, including parts of the hedge fund universe and into commodities as well, have experienced better returns because those have held up relatively better. So I think a few lessons to take away for 2023. Um, and if we think about the factors that are going to influence markets, they're also some of the same ones that have been hitting markets in 2022. It's interest rates, it's inflation, it's growth. But as we look forward, it's going to perhaps be more about the inflection point. When are we going to see the peak in interest rates? How quickly is inflation going to come down? And when will the trough for growth be? I think those are going to be the key factors for investors in 2023. Well, thanks, Karen. And I think you raised some great points about looking beyond you know, bonds and stocks. And frankly, most people have just been looking at stocks maybe for a long time. One of the things we pride ourselves on is helping clients to understand FX markets and commodity markets. And for that, uh, we couldn't have a better person on with us uh, besides Dominic. So I guess, Mark, on, on your end, with regard to the FX and commodity markets, if you look at what happened, our narrative has been basically to look for dollar strength into the first quarter and then to level off. Uh, now, that narrative is obviously challenged in, in a short run. We have seen dollar pulling back in the mid to high single digit, depending on what index you use. We still think into the first quarter, we're going to get dollar strength. Uh, for one reason, we still see growth decelerating and the Fed is not done yet. But I think we also need to recognize that the terminal rate story is getting a little bit more certain and that has been a huge dollar supportive factor. Bottom line for investors means that we see additional dollar strength in the first quarter, meaning your dollar heading towards, uh, let's say, 102. Uh, cable heading to 115 or dollar yen trading above 140, it's time to reduce a dollar exposure. That That's the narrative here. Important really to look out, is there going to be a growth divergence happening between outside the US and when it comes to uh, the growth story in the US? That's a narrative for the second half. Now, for investors who want to look for a safe place, uh, we still think the Swiss franc is attractive. If you look at the, the next page, Swiss franc, the SMB has been very clear uh, here that um, it wants to see currency strength as part of her strategy to really mitigate inflation um, pressures. 
issues. And inflation differentials are huge between US and Europe. Um, in Switzerland, we have roughly, uh, I would say, four to six percent inflation differentials. That gives the currency uplift in, in nominal terms. You see here on the left-hand side, you see the, uh, the Swiss franc in, in real trade weight. The terms actually cheap if you're using uh, producer prices. So I think there's a lot to go for. And if the world is still an uncertain place, then I think Swiss franc does well. So it really strikes the balance among various factors. As for the other currency markets, if you think about, um, I know the focus of markets have been very much into central banks. But think about, as we the increment getting less, I think there's is less uncertainty about rates and the focus might shift more towards growth. Uh, growth is going to be the key topic in, in the first half. How much are we going to decelerate here? I think there's some hurdle in that regard when it comes to euro. We, you see here, for example, the, the trade balance deteriorated quite tremendously. So there's a big hurdle here to come back from this one. Also negative of affecting the Japanese yen. But we just heard from the BOJ a little bit more on a uh, less dovish tone, which gives the currency support. Support. So also here, there is a little bit room to appreciate over time, but that's really the focus over time. Now, beyond the FX market thinking uh, commodity, which have done extremely well, we, we tend to look at oil, gold. Now, as for oil, we're quite bullish still looking at 110 uh, when it comes to, to Brent prices. And I think the rationale is simple. We have underinvested. There's a structural story that really hits the market at the same time we have event risk due to Russia. And if I think about the, the is how good our Russian supply fungible, um, I think there's still some question mark. We might lose up to a million barrel. And, and people that are worried on the demand side, even in a, in a year of low growth, we might see demand expanding beyond a million towards 1.3 million barrels per day. And I think that underpins a market that is tight, inventory comes down and uh, something you want should be exposed to just to, from a risk perspective to add it to your portfolio. I think it's one way to go. If you don't want to have direct exposure, the energy sector is still cheaply valued. Multiples uh, in the high single digit, I think, looks to me uh, attractive. And if you have the right risk appetite, you can still make use of the elevated volatility that, that the energy sector brings to target potentially some, uh, some yield pickup. Now, last point on gold, um, we have lifted our view. So looking still short term down 1,700, that's what we look at. So we can't really warm up to the metal. There's still a, a real rate argument. There's still a nominal yield argument and it's a high opportunity cost, which is when you position yourself and later you hear from our colleagues on the fixed income space, you get yields of, of 5% in, in good quality bonds. So that still is going to be a hurdle. But uh, if I see how much central banks are buying, then also gives me confidence that, you know, Paul pullbacks in the metal will be bought into. So it's, it's more probably an asset buying on dips at this point in time rather than taking an outright exposure. So maybe a little bit to go, but maybe have a strategy to look into the dips. All right. Thanks, Dominic. And a follow-up question, which I think matters for uh, all the things you talked about, but particularly the commodities. What about China and how the impact the reopening there is going to unfold and, and influence various markets. 
Well, China clearly has seen a dramatic turnaround in its COVID policy, and it has been such a negative drag on, on many assets, I would say, just until October uh, this year. Now, but big steps moving forward, reopening, kicking in. Uh, I think here, I would say the negative aspect is shifting to maybe amber in the first quarter and heading towards green as we progress in 2023. So from our perspective, it's really time to think about what is my China exposure at this point in time. There's not many places where you're going to see growth in 2023 and with the latest Central Economic Work Conference signaling they want to have growth beyond 5%. I think it's something investors should look into maybe on a more tactical way. You know, we have a neutral view on Chinese equities, but they are cheaply valued. Clearly, if you look at some of the charts provided here, so valuation to growth is clearly uh, considerably below longer term averages. And so I think it's something to look at. So who's going to be the beneficiary? Maybe the focus needs to be a little bit more selective. I mean, retail sales was contracting um, almost 6% in November. So everything that is recovery and consumption, platform names, consumer names, that should, probably should be the focus. The pharmaceutical sectors, medtech benefiting from the development in China, I think that should have the greatest uh, priority. Now, the focus doesn't need to be solely on, on the equity side, where you also see that performance can quite diverge if you look at the A share versus H share here, but a uh, fixed income wise as well. I mean, the fixed income market in dollar uh, provides you a decent yield. And uh, I think here, the focus to help the private sector means that uh, probably some of the default rates will be contained. So looking at the IG space is probably something for more defensive investors, uh, one way forward to take China exposure for 2023. All right. Well, thank you. And we are going to move to the client-only section of our broadcast and get into some more of our positioning. So thank you. I wish you all a great start to the new year and make it a great day. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.